Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're going to be continuing our scripture reading through the book of Psalms in the month of June. And of course, uh, we are going to be on Psalm 131 through 135 today. That's the five chapter set. And uh, Psalm 131 through 135, we're getting close here, just a few more days left in June. So if you have made it this far into it, well, finish strong, finish strong. Today, we're going to be doing something just a little bit different than what we have been doing. I mean, we're still going to be going through Psalms and everything, but today we're going to be reading all five chapters of Scripture on this. It's one of the things that I have not uh, done yet. In fact, I might even have said that I wasn't going to do that, but we're going to do that today. Uh, probably won't do it tomorrow, but we're just going to be doing that today, and I think that uh, it, it's good to at least get one of these in here where we're reading them all. This will will help you in reading them through. But let's uh, let's get into it because there's a lot of scripture to cover today. Starting in Psalm 131, it says this: "Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters. For with things too profound for me, surely I have calmed and quieted my soul." Like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from the first time, excuse me, from this time forth and forevermore. Then Psalm 132. Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swore to the Lord and how he vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of the Ephrathah, we of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of the woods. Let us go into his tabernacle. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and your and the ark of your strength. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. For your servant David's sake, do not turn away the face of your anointed. The Lord has sworn in truth to David. He will not turn from it. I will set upon your throne the fruit of your body. If your sons will keep my covenant and my testimony, which I shall teach them, their sons also shall sit on your throne forevermore. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There I will make the horn of David grow. I will prepare a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but upon himself his crown shall flourish. We see here in this psalm, first of all, David's heart for the house of God. I mean, isn't that incredible? to just go and to see. I will not give sleep to my eyelids or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. You know, is that the kind of longing and the kind of passion that you have for the house of God? You should have that kind of longing and that kind of passion for the house of God. You know, often we think of David, and rightly so, 
as a man who's after God's own heart. But then we need to look at the things that David has in his life, the passions that he has in his life, and we need to apply them to our lives if we also want to be somebody who is a man after God's own heart. And one of those passions that David has, that it, I mean, it is just, it, it, it is just undeniable as you read Scripture, is that he has a, a, a desire for the house of God. He has a passion for the house of God. In fact, he had such a passion for the house of God that even though God told him, you are not able to build it, your son will build it. What did David go and do? He started laying up in store the materials for someone else to build. Do you love God that much? Do you have a passion for the house of God, that you're able to look beyond your own feet and what you can do, and you start looking on to the next generation, and you start investing in the next generation because you want to see God be magnified on this earth. Because that's what David did. He's a man after God's own heart. Do you have that kind of a heart for God? But then it turns, and in the second half of this chapter, it goes and it talks about the covenant that God made with David, the Davidic covenant. And it is incredible because David realizes in verse 12, if your sons will keep my covenant and my testimony, which I shall teach them, their sons also shall sit upon your throne forevermore. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever, and I will dwell, for I have desired it. You know, so many times when we see the covenants of God throughout Scripture, we often just look and we see God's part, which, of course, God's part is vital. It's important. It's, it is it's it is key, but it's important that we also realize our part. And David realized his part, or his son's part, his children's part, his his next generation's part, that they are to go and to obey God and to fulfill that covenant as well. But let's keep reading here. Let's go to Psalm 133. It says this, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. We see here how vital and how blessed unity is. To see brethren dwelling in unity together. Now today, we don't see much unity, it seems. It seems like there's division around every turn. There's division anywhere you go. We just live in a world that is so polarized and so full of division. But I also want you to understand a couple of principles on unity. You know, unity is found, number one, based upon God's truth. You can't have unity anywhere else. If you have somebody who's going and teaching against God's truth, another person who is teaching God's truth, if that person who is teaching God's truth, if they leave God's truth to join with the person who is in error, that's not unity, even if it gets rid of the conflict. That's not real unity. That's, that's just fleshly agreement. But real unity is always based around God's truth. So therefore, 
the divisive one is always the person who is coming against God's truth. Now, of course, you can have two people in error, and you can have two people causing division. That, that's something that can happen. But when God's truth is present, those who are on God's truth and standing uncompromised on God's truth, they're the ones who are proclaiming unity. Those who are going against God's truth, they're the ones who are proclaiming division. Now, it is blessed. It is, it is full of abundant blessing. That's this idea of the, the oil. When we go and we look at that, it's, it's really going and talking about anointing oil and running down the, the beard, the beard of Aaron of priests is what it's saying there, Aaron, and that's what it's referring to, the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, running down the edge of their garments. It's talking about going and not only anointing the head of the person, but anointing all of them in that, and how blessed it is to get God's full anointing for your life, to know that God has equipped you for what he has called you to do. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? That's what unity is like. It's like everything is working together. God's doing his part. You're doing your part. And it is working perfectly together. Well, that's also horizontal unity. You get that same kind of a feel there as when you get that vertical unity. But let's keep going. Let's look at Psalm 134. It says, Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord, the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Bless you from Zion. You know, the thing that stands out to me about this chapter of Scripture is the servanthood here that it's talking about. Behold, bless the Lord, all of you servants of the Lord. Then it says this, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. What's that talking about? It's talking about a commitment. It's talking about a commitment. You know, sometimes if we look out and we, re- we, we start to think, man, the sermon went two minutes over. Oh, come on. We got to get out of here. I, I, you know, I got, I, I got a ball game to watch. I got, I got food to eat. I got this to do. I got that to do. But no, the real servanthood is found in going and staying in the house of the Lord, even at night, even at night, going and being there when it's inconvenient. And then what do you do? You lift up your hands and worship in the sanctuary and you bless the Lord. You bless the Lord. You know, true servanthood is marked by true worship and obedience is the sound worship makes or worship is the sound obedience makes, however you want to look at that. Psalm 135, this is what we're going to wrap up on today. And it says this in Psalm 135, Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, O you servants of the Lord, you who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his special treasure. For I know that the Lord is great and that the Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deep places. He causes vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. 
he destroys the firstborn of Egypt. Behold, or excuse me, both of man and a beast, he sets signs and wonders into the midst of you. O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and all his servants, he defeated many nations, he slew many kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan. And he gave their land as a heritage, a heritage of Israel, his people. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, throughout all the generations. For the Lord will judge his people, and he will have compassion on his servant. The idols of nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord out of Zion who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. You know, there's two major themes that we see here in this chapter, and one is to praise the Lord, and the other is to bless the Lord, and they really go hand in hand. When you're praising the Lord, you are going then and blessing the Lord. You're lifting his name up, and you are going, and you are agreeing with your mouth as to how great God is. Is. And we see the greatness of God here. We see the great things that he does. We see his character, that he is that He is good, and how we're to sing praises to his name, for it is pleasant to him. We see the great things that he does. It goes and it goes over what it what happened in Egypt and how he overthrew nations. Man, isn't God amazing? You know, how much time do you spend telling others about what God has done, about what God has done in your life? Do you remember the great things that God has done in your life? You know, that is a major part of worship, and you need to do that today. You need to stop, and you need to remember what God has done in your life. You need to tell others about it. And of course, you need to re—well, you don't need to remind God, but you need to remind yourself, and you need to speak these to God, because they're a testimony and a worship, and they are a thankfulness for how great God is and for what He has done in your life. Well, thank you for listening today, and remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. You may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, but even in darkness, we hold to the promise. There's nothing we can't overcome. So that war you've been fighting will end.
starts up to something.